I am here, and thank you for listening. We are um, recording as many as we can to try to get fresh content out there. And thank you to those of you that have reached out to me with suggestions for potential guests. It's very appreciated. You can find our podcasts on uh, Podcast One or any of the places that you find your podcasts. And we include updates and stories on Twitter, on Facebook, and also on Instagram at Makers of MN. And we are always looking for maker stories. So if you meet someone and you think, wow, that's a really cool story. I'd love to hear more about that product or how they did it. Please let us know. Uh, Today I'm here with Sue Kukuk, and she is the founder of Kukukis. And Kukukis, at first blush, Sue, kind of look like a a whole grain bar. But it really is a, a cookie, and it's delicious. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's what's tried. Uh, we've tried to differentiate ourselves. Um, you know, it started, uh, well, the business started while my daughter was a collegiate cyclist. And um, I found out that they were stopping at fast food uh, before their races. Yeah. And I didn't feel good about that. But and what time, when was this? Was this like? That was, uh, oh, now you got me, I uh, 10 years ago yeah, when I okay. first started baking the cookies. And it was just a natural progression as, as a mom um, sending your daughter off to college uh, to to send cookies. But I felt that. Uh, there was a need to have uh, healthier grab-and-go cookies. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of just how we started or how I developed the cookie to begin with. Um, and I also recognized that um, there's just something more about a cookie that is easier to, to maybe pass around and share. Um, I don't know. Is there's something... Um, you can maybe remember your cookie jar at grandma's house or at your house. You maybe Yeah, like some familial piece to it. Because you're not going to, I mean, it's not that I haven't passed out my almonds, but, you know, you're not like, here, do you want some of my nuts? Right. Or when you're on trail or whatever. Right. Or, or you know, you, you can just grab those cookies. They're, they're easy, handheld treat. Mm-hmm. Um, some bars and brownies are a little bit more crumbly. And, you know, so it was just that vision uh, that was kid-friendly and... Uh, just uh, I, f- I felt that there was a way to make them healthier. So 10 years ago was before, uh, I can only speak to the Twin Cities market, but before Whole Foods was here, we really didn't have a lot of organic options in the grocery stores. They were starting to come a little bit. But when you decided that you were going to turn these cookies into a business, were there other bars and things on the market that you were seeing that there was a hole that you could fill? Well, yeah, there there were a lot of bars on the market, but they were uh, pretty overprocessed bars, mm-hmm. uh, crunchy bars, um, just and and I wanted something that w- tasted more homemade, and and part of that is why we stuck with the cookie. 
um, and and again, just for that portability. So it was to to be different in that respect. How hard was it to go from like it's one thing to make cookies in your kitchen, but it's another to you know provide a shelf stable product and. You know, were you making these at your at a at your house and then advanced to a commercial kitchen, or how did you progress? Well, um, when I first developed the recipe, and I was just sending them to my daughter and her teammates. You know, it became obvious every week they were asking, "Can you send more? Can you send more?" Sure. So uh, I knew that we we had something that uh, was popular. Then uh, after she graduated, we decided to host cycling teams. There is the uh, local bike race, five-day stage race uh, that is now called North Star Grand Prix. And so we hosted Mm -hmm. a lot of cyclists. And um, it was they were kind of our focus group, you might say. Um, Had a lot of fun um, creating recipes for them. And so when we decided to start the business, um, you know, actually it was, I I was sending a lot of cookies away to a lot of the the cyclists that we'd met. I was over a hundred of them. And if they had a birthday or a podium wind, I was sending them cookies. So my husband came home one day and he said, Sue, you're spending a lot of money sending (laughs) these cookies away in postage. Uh, of course, I was doing it because it, it felt good, but uh, he thought that we should start a business. And I said, well, okay, but I'm not going to do the baking. I don't like doing dishes, so uh, we'll have to find somebody to contract to do the baking with. And that really kind of held us back in in really starting the business because um, most of the larger co-packers uh, had really large volume requirements and right. were just to start a business. So I, um, you know, just started networking and found uh, a friend of a friend was opening up a local uh, bakery or sh- she was trying to open up her own bakery up in Becker, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So we made an agreement. She was looking for some extra income. So she hand-scooped our cookies, and we uh, hand-packaged them, hand-labeled them. And uh, I guess we started off just doing some events, uh, baking up, you know, a 1,000 cookies at a time for an event. Yep. So that was kind of really really how we started. How long does it take to package and label a 1,000 cookies? Well, it was, uh, yeah, there was maybe three or four of us, um, Four hours. Yeah, I, I was going to say that seems like a long time. It was, yeah, but it, you know, it was it was a good way to to start off without really a, a huge investment. Yeah, it, it was really just our time and material cost. And did you just bootstrap the business along the way financially? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of people, you know, that we talk to, they'll put things on credit cards and going from their commercial or their homes to the commercial kitchen is a really big leap for them. You were able to just do that and keep going and moving it forward. When you got to the point where you were at some festivals and at some bike races, and now you really wanted to get shelf space in a store, how did you figure that out? Because you hadn't been in this business. No. Um, Well, it kind of just came slowly. And and part of that was uh, by design. Uh, I am a little bit conservative, and I wanted to make sure that we were doing things right. 
that was um, so with, from from some of the events, we had people reach out to us, uh, some small coffee shops, some local really? food co-ops saying, hey, I saw your cookie at yeah. this event. We'd like to carry your product. And so that was that was really encouraging. Uh, the thought had been just to do events and um, have um, sell on our website, that kind of thing. So we slowly got into the grocery business. Um, and then, you know, as the business grew, it was too much to be hand scooping. And, and the vision had always been to have this grab-and-go packaging. Right. And so our... Hand sealing, hand labeling, while it was uh, a portable package, it didn't open very easily. And, and of course, it was time-consuming to do it that way. So the next step was to find a co-packer. Right. And your product, you sell it online and you also sell it all over the country. Yes. At this point, um, as you've been you've been expanding... Do you sell more on your website or more in stores? It's about equal right now. Yeah. And you must be good at or having someone help you because I think it's complicated. That whole SEO of food and how to get keywords and search terms because how do people know to find you online? Well, that that's kind of funny because when we first started the business, I was thinking, yeah, we'll we'll just kind of skip the whole retail yep. grocery end of it and just sell online. Well, it was kind of an eye opener. Of, that well, you, I people and they still think this, and I thought this too. And I guess I understand why we think it, but you know, if we just put it online, that people will buy it; they'll come. Right, and so they have to be able to find you. Yes, <laughs> and I I wasn't real keen on um, doing Facebook and Instagram social media at that time, um, but you know it, it was just kind of a learning experience of these things that you need to do to be able to be found. But that was also a, a good partnership of you know having retail stores to have e-commerce, yep. and to do public events. They all kind of work together and support each other. Yeah. And did you do you do sampling at your stores? And We do a lot of everything. Yes. Uh, the stores that we're in will do demos. Um, we still uh, support a lot of local events, whether it's a biking event or a health event, a fun run, um, all, all those things. Yeah. And is that, has that continued to be important for you as the brand has grown? A lot of people would see like, oh, a bike race or, you know, a run and, oh, it's just giving away free product. Do you turn those people into purchasers? Because again, the product is really tasty. Some of that is really hard to track, but I think we we all kind of understand that the more exposure we get the better it is for any building of a brand. Um, we don't particularly go out of our way to be doing lots, uh -huh. you know, to, to be traveling the country to do things. But, you know, it has to kind of fit our um, lifestyle, you know, what our cookie represents, yep. better eating, active lifestyles. And, um, you know, if there's something uh, that's more um, close to my heart, uh, cancer, or things like that, then th those are the uh, 
programs and events that we will more likely support. Are there um, brands locally that you just really admire or products that you're like, wow, they just really knocked it out of the park right away? Well, we do have a small, or actually it's not a small, it's uh, the uh, growing community here in the Twin Cities of local food producers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's uh, a great networking event. I can't say that there's any one brand that uh, I like better than the other because they're all my friends. Sure. And, how did uh, you meet or how do you... Do you just walk up to someone when you're at a, a an event and introduce yourself? And then is it you that reaches out? Because I think, to be honest, that's hard for people. Some people keep their cards very close to the vest, and it's hard to know how much information to share and what's sharing too much. Yeah. Um, well, this is something that uh, is interesting. Uh, I think I do reach out maybe a little bit more. When we first started the business, and uh, when I was searching for co-packer or where to buy certain ingredients, because some of our ingredients are specialty ingredients, chia seeds and coconut oil and mm-hmm. uh, ground cashews. Those aren't just things that I can buy in large volume. Right. So I, I did. I looked to some of the other local food producers and kind of looked at their ingredient list. And I called them up and I said, hey, you know, you, you, you've got similar ingredients. Can you maybe share who you're purchasing from? Or, you know, do you have any contacts that you can share with me? So it, it way back, uh, I started doing that and, and uh, we received a lot of help from a lot of people. Do people call you now, like people that are up and coming and say, you know, Sue, your cookies are successful. How do I do what you're doing? Yeah, they do. And again, part of this is, uh, I think, just our local community that uh, we're not afraid to ask other people. Some people might be, but uh, I've always been really open for anybody that uh, wants to give me a call or email me or, you know, we're... Maybe we're uh, sharing um, some space or combining some orders yep. for ingredients. Do you still office out of your home? We do, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And uh, I'm assuming at this point that your husband is involved in the business. He is, yes. He's uh, quit his job uh, as an engineer for the Toro Company two years ago, so he's working for me full-time now. Wow. And that's a big step um, in terms of you have a daughter. And did you have another child, too? Did you say? Yes, we have two children. Okay. Uh, so, the, But your kids are gone. You guys are at home working on this business together. Do you ever fight or disagree? Or how is that? Because being in a marriage sometimes as a business owner can be challenging. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been married over 35 years. And so we know each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, that's not, and so I think we, we really have a good balance of knowing what our strengths and weaknesses are and, and really respect each other for that. So would you say that you have really clear, like definitions of like, this is my area, this is your area. And is there, um, and is, isn't it, is the workload distributed that way? Yes, for the most part. Um, you know, I do most of the recipe development and uh, the sales and the marketing. And my husband does more of the logistics mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, getting 
shipments off and figuring out pallet sizes and designing the boxes. Did you cook as a kid? How did you just, you know, I always think it's funny that people go from just making something at home to making it in a commercial way. Yeah, I um, always enjoyed being in the kitchen. I'm the youngest in the family. So for me, that was part of just kind of being with mom and dad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, my, my grandmothers both uh, were very creative and or, or more um, old-fashioned with, you know, canning pickles. And so right. when we would get together yeah. as a family, we would spend days making pickles or tomatoes, things like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you still do that? I do. Well, I I should say I, I, I've done a lot of it this past year or two. As the business has taken over, I've done very little of yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, it has been an important part of my life as well as just um, being creative. I've never really been the type to follow recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is frustrating for some people, uh, but uh, that's something for that your I really children, enjoy. When they say, "Mom, how do you make your meatloaf?" and you go, "I don't really have a special meatloaf recipe." It, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't quite turn out the same every time. And um, I remember way back in uh, we called it junior high school and had home ec class. Oh yes. Uh, you know, we had to to make uh, I don't know baking powder biscuits, something like that. Well, I didn't want to follow the recipe, and of course they flopped. But uh, it frustrated my mom a little bit that yeah. I, you know, why didn't I follow the recipe? And it's like, well, because I kind of just, you know, didn't feel like it. When you, as a kid, were you? I don't want to say not a rule follower because that mm-hmm. makes it sound like you were some kind of a delinquent, but did you color outside of the lines more often than not? Yes. Yes. And um, do you think that that is something that is a trait that's common amongst entrepreneurs? Well, it must be, you know, because uh, I think you need to have that. Um, and, you know, to to always be, you know, to be thinking something that's going to be different and marketable and, and um I think you have to. I think I was a terrible entrepreneur mm-hmm. because I'm pretty risk averse, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband was much more of the person that was willing to risk and color outside of the lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was always like, oh, we must we must do it this way. This is the way you do it. <laughs> he was like, why do we have to do it that way? We can do it however we want. Um, in your relationship, are you the person that is sort of saying, oh, let's try this or that, and then the other person is the yin to your yang, in your case, your spouse? Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't say that I'm really a risk taker. It is just uh, I'm always coming up with different ideas, whether it is uh, a new recipe combination or, you know, maybe it's uh, some flavors that I've I've had uh, for even a, a... a breakfast or something yep, like yep. that that I think oh wow this you know I really like that flavor combination or I'll maybe learn something more about nutrition mm-hmm. and think okay you know let's try to put this into a cookie so I'm not a real risk taker I suppose my husband would be more of the risk taker interesting yeah. interesting um have you heard of this grain kernza yeah, the 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 wheat yeah, uh, variety. Yeah, it's a perennial grain. Yeah, okay. And uh, we saw it 
I first saw it at the Minnesota State Fair last summer. They were making a donut, kind of cream-filled donut with it. Mm-hmm. And then um, I I think I saw, yeah, someone's making vodka with it, I think. Okay. Distilling with it. So I'd be curious to see if something, um, if those, there's some alternative grains, I think, coming down the pike. And I can see you as being the kind of person to experiment with them. Well, I do have a lot of those things going on. Unfortunately, right now, a lot of it, does come down to availability and cost. Yeah, because they're more expensive typically, right? More expensive or just, you know, having a consistent supply. Uh, That's something that uh, I never thought that we would really, uh, that that would be something that would um, get in the way of some of the product development. But as, as a small business, it certainly is. Yep. Uh, there, uh, for example, one of our flavors, the cashew blondie, we use ground cashews. Mm-hmm. Well, ground cashews are very difficult to purchase. You can buy cashews, yep. but you know, like the minimum order for uh, a ground cashew is 5,000 pounds. Well, when we first started, we only needed 200 pounds. Uh, we were able to uh, work with another local food producer that actually ground the the cashews for us. Uh-huh. The cashew blondie happens to be one of our most popular cookies. And right. so um, moving forward with other ingredients, I'm always looking at that. Okay, you know, where is it coming from? Am, am, are we going to have um, availability issues? Right. Two of our cookies use vanilla. Pure vanilla. Yep. Well, there was the vanilla the shortage. The vanilla shortage, yes. Um, so last year, it was, the, I, the at the beginning of the year, the price of vanilla was 40 or $60 a gallon. It is now $300 a gallon. So it isn't just a price issue. It was just, we couldn't even order right. pure vanilla. And so those are our big considerations now, unfortunately, in bringing in a lot of these new specialty ingredients. Why is why did vanilla get so expensive? Was there a crop failure? I remember reading about it, but I don't remember why. Yes, it was the um, the was it hurricanes or the um, yeah something uh, yeah mm-hmm. in in Madagascar yeah okay. it just totally damaged the crop. And and I don't know how long it takes for a vanilla bean to come to maturity, but I would guess it's maybe a couple of years before we'll see some relief from that. I believe so, yes. Um, in terms of marketing for the products, how do you market them? Oh, well, um, <coughs> I suppose uh, we don't have a big marketing budget, so it is pretty much uh, through social media yeah. at this time, and our events. So the the events that we do are, are part of our our marketing source. Um, and you, do you have someone that you hire to do the social media? Do do you do it for yourselves? Our daughter is oh, primarily involved. Yeah, she's our marketing director, so she's taken over the social media and the website and. Which is really fortunate for us to have somebody in that understands the millennial and in a different perspective. How old's your daughter? She's twenty nine. Oh, so she's kind of right in the sweet spot there. Yes. Um, do you think about brand voice, and do you and her talk about that, or does she just have it and know it? She, 
pretty much knows it, but we do have plenty of discussions. Um, there are things, like I say, way early on, I said, I'm not doing Facebook. And she just kind of let me not do Facebook. And finally, she says, Mom, we have to do Facebook. Yeah. So there there are things that um, I, I think are really, really beneficial to to have the the different opinions and that we respect each other and and understand what needs to get done. What was it about Facebook that didn't appeal to you? Oh, I don't know. It was, you know. Just that you'd have to one more thing? Well, it was, you know, what, 10, 15 years ago when Facebook first came out, yeah. I just didn't think that that was a maybe uh, an appropriate uh, thing for a lifestyle yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not so much for lifestyle brand, but I, I just didn't uh, think it was appropriate for kids in general to be Got spending it. their time on Facebook. So it was yep. just kind so of a, not very outdoorsy. Yeah, more tech and right. I thought the light rail was going to be a complete disaster. So I understand these <laughs> thoughts enter our heads. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah. wow, this light rail thing, that's really working pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And so that was just kind of one of those things at the sure. time. And uh, it, we've uh, uh, been very fortunate to have that to, to help us grow our brand. Do you remember um, making like a big mistake and just laying in bed and thinking, oh my gosh, I screwed that up so bad. And what was it? Um, we, I don't know that we've really had mistakes per se, but there have been a few things where maybe we uh, had trusted other people uh, Advice wise, sure. and um, you know, again, it wasn't major mistakes, but uh, just um, thinking that maybe um, one of our suppliers should know more about uh, their products, the product than than us, yeah. and just you know, kind of trusted them, and yep. we should have maybe taken a little bit more um, control or learning more about it. What do you do for fun? Or do you, I mean, how often do you work? Are you working like 18 hours a day? And Yes, we're, we're working quite a bit. Um, but um, I'm, both my husband and I are outdoor enthusiasts. Uh-huh. Uh, we both like whitewater kayaking and canoeing. I love gardening. Uh, obviously, I love cooking yeah. and um, just, you know, hosting social gatherings with our family and friends. So is your business in some ways, I don't want to say seasonal, but like in the wintertime, do you hunker down and work a lot? And then in the spring and the summer, free yourselves up a little bit to do some of those outdoor activities? No, that hasn't happened yet. We're <laughs> we're, we're still pretty full time. Right. Just mm-hmm. um, What do you do every day? Like, well, What is your structure of your day? What are you spending the most of the time doing? Well, it it really it's it's all the facets of the business, of course, as we're growing and and um, so we've I have emails, you know, we're trying to do recipe development uh-huh. and and you know sourcing ingredients, nutrition panels, uh, following up with our current accounts uh-huh. and uh, generating new sales. Do you cold call? I do, probably not as much as I used to. Sure. Um, and part of that is is just because now we have um, enough of the leads and follow-ups that, that are consuming our yeah. time. 
Do you, have you ever thought about how many times you need to talk to someone before they put you in their coffee shop or their store? I've thought about that a lot, and there there are a few accounts that uh, I've really have tried pretty hard to get into, and haven't gotten anywhere and sometimes I give up and then you know somebody just like you're suggesting says you know you got to you got to keep on it yeah. and uh some sometimes it's really hard because it uh I don't want to be the kind of person that is uh puts a bad impression because I am bothering them yeah, on persistent. the other hand but um I know sometimes that's what it takes so when you're feeling like, oh, I know I have to call, and I'm just going to throw a fake name out here, like, I know I have to call, you know, Bob's Produce one more time. Oh, there is a Bob's Produce. We'll say Bill's Produce. I have to call Bill's Produce, and, you know, I've called 15 times, and I've left emails. And one of the things I'm noticing about selling is, is that communicating with people is changing a lot because it used to be that you called them. Mm-hmm. Then it was that you emailed and called now, I mean, people really don't even listen to their voicemail. So I can leave a great voicemail, but it's not moving my sale any further. And they're using other avenues too, like Instagram and Twitter to message and instant messaging. And are you using all of those avenues or do you try to stick to kind of the traditional tried and true phone and emails? I'm probably more the tried and true um We'll do, you know, maybe I'll send an email and then obviously we know a lot of those emails don't get reached. Yep. You're you're trying to put that right subject line on there yep. to, to get the attention and and then maybe I'll make the phone call to say, Well, I just left you an email, so make sure you check your 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 spam box yep. or your junk mail and sometimes that works. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it can go on and on and on. How much like if you get someone to try your product, this, you know, Bill's produce, we'll just go back to that example, and you can get that cookie in front of Bill. Once they try it, are they likely to carry it, or is it just coming down to shelf space and whatever SKUs they need to deal with that week or month? Well, grocery is maybe a little bit different than some of the other channels. So in grocery, you know, it's very rare that we have somebody that does not like our product. Right. Um, so... With grocery, they might really like it, but you're right. They might not have uh, available shelf space at the time. So then we kind of have to wait until they've maybe uh, sold out of uh, a competitor product that isn't selling very Mm -hmm. well. So sometimes it is just a waiting game. But uh, some of the other channels, uh, food service um, or the specialty stores, uh, if they like it, they pretty much bring it in right away. And so is sampling a big piece of getting a new customer for you? It is. Um so it uh if if we if I can get them to taste the product either with a, an appointment and I bring in the samples or if I send them samples or we do a trade show. Uh, those are really really good ways of getting what, them. What's interesting about your product too and I ate some so I feel like I can share this with you. When I looked at the product and look at it through the window, because there's like a clear window that you can see through it, I was like, oh, yeah, a cookie, a bar. But when you eat it, it is a much more pleasant eating experience than it looks visually like it's going to be, because it looks like it's going to be kind of grainy and sort of dry and dusty. 
And it's not at all. Yeah. And and that's part of, uh, again, why we do a lot of events, because the people will taste the cookie. Yep. And you know, I would love to get some like hidden cameras sometime. Yeah. Because I'm not the only one that thinks right. that. Yeah. They'll, they'll go, oh, wow, I didn't expect it to taste like this. Yeah. Or they'll they'll see the name and they'll go, cookies. Oh, cookies. And and they almost make their own little jingle. Yeah. So. Cook, cook, yeah. cookies. All right, Sue. Well, I wish you really a lot of success. And your husband, what's your husband's name? So we can. Jay. J-A-Y. Jay, we'll call out Jay. Thank him for his contributions in the business. And um, it was really fun to chat with you today. I will tell the listener, I didn't tell you this at the beginning, but I'll tell you now that we have recorded, this is our second time sitting together. Uh, The first time we recorded the podcast, we had some technical difficulties and none of it recorded. So that's always a really special, Mm -hmm. embarrassing time when that happens. It's happened to me twice. Um, So I thank Sue for coming back in because I thought that getting your story out is really important because you're so calm. You know, you're just, you're calm. You're, I can tell you're persistent in a very pleasant way. Your product is delicious. And I just wanted to talk with you because I think the persistence that it takes to get a a grainy cookie that you're going to put into the marketplace and it's going to be healthy is just a really interesting story. And it's something that's a little bit different than some of the other stories that we've had. So thank you for being on today. Well, thank you for having me.